1: Blog
0: Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artists, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsville, Atlanta, Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is the Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia.
1: welcome to The Bright Side with Technisha and yes I am on tonight because tonight is a night that we all need this discussion and we previously had a guest on where she was a human trafficking expert but now I actually have a real victim who's been of those certain circumstances and we all think that it doesn't happen in our neighborhood when it's actually does. It could be your next door neighbor, it could be your best friend, your teacher, whoever. But this young lady is here to shed light on this most horrific thing that actually does exist. Her name is Leah Rogers, and her book that she has out is called Game Over, Over, the story behind a sex trafficking victim. And Leah was raised in a hostile environment, and it led on to other activities from prostitution, to assess trafficking, to so now that she is able to tell her story because she survived this. She actually survived this. And actually, if you probably Google, you can find her story on CBS News titled A Better Arizona, which was broadcasted locally on television. You... And if you have any questions for Leah, if you feel like chatting in the boss, you could do so. The number to call in is 347 426 3751. Lil, thank you for being on the show today. Well, tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you on. As I said, I did have an expert on this topic, but I actually have someone who actually lived through this, and this is you. I can't even imagine what you went through through this whole horrific ordeal. And I did catch it on Facebook, your video, and the cruel remarks some people said, like, oh, this never happened, and all that. You know, it's amazing what people can actually say until it actually happens to them.
0: Yes, yes,
2: yeah. I mean, a lot of times you have to just think about it. It's, it's really hard um, to think like some of these things could even happen, especially here in America. You don't believe that this type of cruelty is happening um, every single day to to young girls and to young women as well. And in reality, I mean, no, no young girl or, or no uh, woman deserves that type of treatment. No, someone deserves to be trafficked or abused or anything like that. Exactly. And uh,
1: and the only thing people need to know, it doesn't really just happen to young ladies too. It happens to boys as well.
2: Exactly. Yes, that is so true. And a lot of times, people, you know, I I always say one of the things I always say is I I. I honestly believe that it's not because, like, people do not care about the topic. It's that they're not educated on the topic. So once we educate ourselves as a community and we start really knowing that, okay, this is our issue, this is not only happening to one type of girl, we have to break down those stereotypes that, oh, if you're a stripper, then you deserve that type of life. Or, oh, because it's not just happening to those type of girls. It's happening to... To the average age of a girl entering into the life is 13 years old. So I don't care what the case is, there is no 13 year old that really know what they want and that needs to be in this type of lifestyle. You know, so right. uh, it, it's definitely just an eye-opener when you hear it happening to, to so many. I mean, it's happening to 100,000 girls. Like, every single day a girl is, is being trafficked in your state, in my state. And every single minute, a girl is being trafficked. So that's a huge problem.
1: It is. And it's been overlooked. We were, you yeah. know, we well, as far as what I see, we have our uh, focus on everything else with ISIS and okay. Pres- um, Vice President's son passing away. I mean, we don't, we overlook this. We we screwed up on the rug. Okay, this is not really going on. Okay, maybe it is, but we're not going to talk about it anymore. We saw that, so let's overlook it. And I mean, this stuff happens, like you say, it's day present now. This is no joke. Mm-hmm. Liv, you don't mind yeah. really explaining to listeners, the listeners what, how you ended up even getting into human trafficking.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so I always have to, of course, start off with my childhood because I believe that my childhood uh, opened up. Uh, few more doors for me as far as being more exposed uh, to the eyes of a trafficker. So um, at a young age, at the age of six, I was molested by um, a family member
0: as well as
2: I endured and I I watched my mom um, get physically abused and also there was a lot of uh, drug use in my household. So at a very young age, I've seen things that most kids should not have to worry about or see. Um, And then at the age of 13 years old, I was completely raped um, and molested for a year straight by the next door neighbor. I was actually just trying to find a job for the summer and I started working at the daycare next door
0: and um, I
2: was being molested every single day for about a year. And Uh, My mom, she started to think something was going on, so she moved me to Arizona, and this is the transition. I had to take out a couple slides um, on my video, uh, a video on social media. I had to take out a couple slides, so one of the questions people ask, well, you were already in California. I don't understand why he's taking you to California, so... After my mom found out or she had an idea that I was getting arrested, she moved me to Arizona to meet my biological father for the first time. And when I met him, um, it, it, I soon found out that he already had a family. And he, too, was um, became um, emotionally unattached, and he was abusive towards me one day. And I just pulled out a knife, and I told him, don't put his hands on me. And from that moment on, from the age of 14 years old to 18 years old, I was in Arizona in CPS custody, um, and that's how I lived my life. So at the age of 18, it was no big deal. It was nothing for me to go into stripping because it was like that's all I knew. From a very young age, I knew that guys liked one thing about me. I knew that um, they admired my body. And I said, well, why not get money for something that has already been, you know, taken away? I had no value in it. Um, so I started to strip, and this went on for a good, about five years. And I went through a, throughout that time, I actually was in a relationship for about six years straight from the age of seven, 18 um, until about 24, 23. And I was in a relationship with this guy, and I had my children, I had three kids previously, and we went through a really bad breakup and I went through a very depressed stage, and it made me very vulnerable. So I met this guy in the strip club, and he was just, you know, uh, very nice and charming and sweet, and he seemed like someone that was different than the regular guy that comes in the strip club and that just, you know, gets dances. to build a relationship with him, and we started dating for about three months. Um, after we started dating for three months, You know, he kept pressuring me to go to California, that he knew a strip club where I could make a lot more money and and things like that. And at first I was hesitant about, you know, going to that part of California because anyone that knows California is literally you can be on one side and um, it can be eight hours away from the whole other side. So it's a really large state where it's not like it's just an hour away from one city to the next. Uh, So the place that he wanted me to go was more of the Bay Area, and I never really been to that part of California. And at first I didn't want to go, but eventually I disagreed. I was like, you know, I kind of need to get out of town. One of my friends that I worked with as far as at the strip club, she agreed to go out of town with me. So we went out of town. The first day was everything was fine. And then the second day um, I was talking to some guys in the strip club, and he was in there. And he instantly started to choke me. He grabbed me and he started to choke me. And I remember Mm -hmm. my eyes just really getting big. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what the heck is going on? So my first instinct was, okay, I got scared and I went downstairs and I went to go find my friend. Um, And when I went to go find her, she was like, okay, well, let's just go home. So we ended up catching a ride back to the hotel that we were staying at. And we went through the room. We started packing our stuff. He still wasn't there yet. He knocked on the door and he came in, and um, we just basically explained to him like we didn't want to be there. We wanted to go home, and that's when he balled up his fist. He took his hand and he hit my friend in the eye. And when he hit her, he hit her so hard that her eyes started to bleed. And for me, I never seen anything like that as far as just a man just outright. You know, I see my mom's abuse, but it was never nothing like that. And I said, okay, let me go ahead and sit back down on this bed and think about what I what my next move should be. So we ended up just um, staying with him out of fear at first because we were like we just need to stick, stick it out until we get back home. But the problem was that I never went back home. Um, he started to groom basically
0: to be his
2: bottom girl, which mo- mo- most of the time the bottom girl is, like, the most trusted girl, the girl that puts everything in her name. Um, she normally helps post act, She helps, run, help, like, run everything for the pimp. Right. So it's, it's, okay. it's more like an assistant type of situation. So he started to groom me for that position. You're also in charge of helping the recruit girls and to try to make it seem like the lifestyle is nice. Um, and, you know, it, it was moments of times, like I always tell people this, it was like it was moments of times where he was extremely abusive, extremely abusive. But I, I think a part of me also was confused because I felt like I, I cared about him and I loved him. And it was nice. like that. It was a really weird connection uh, that I had, even though like I, I wanted to get away and I couldn't stand him when he would hurt me, when he abused me, but then he sold me also this very fairy tale dream that, oh, we're going to have nice houses, and we're going to have all these nice cars, and, you know, you're not going to even have to work for nobody ever. You're going to be able to retire the money and stuff. So I was also chasing money. So that was something that was also very um, eye-catching, you know, to be able to wear the nicest clothes, to be able to drive the best cars, to be able to Um, have the luxuries of life that maybe a nine to five couldn't guarantee you so quickly. And um, so this went on, and and about six months into me being um, with him, I remember having pains in my stomach, and I would tell him that I need to go to Planned Parenthood. And a lot of times he would just say, oh, well, that's not my baby. Um, That's a John's baby, which is the guy." Normally, the customers, anyone that don't know what a John is, it's the customers that buy uh, the sex from the girls. And he didn't tell me that. But the thing about it is he was the only one that was sleeping with me whenever he wanted to, and he did not use protection. So I knew if I was pregnant that it would be his child. So my first instinct was, of course, and I don't believe in this at all, but I wanted to get an abortion at that time because it was like I didn't, I didn't want to have this monster's baby. I knew what would happen. Like I just, I just didn't want to have no involvement with having a child with him. And you know, I went to Planned Parenthood, and by the time you know I went there, they said you're already five and a half months pregnant. It's too late. So uh, clearly, it was God's will um, already, and. I had my son. Soon after I had my son, um, his family basically took my child, where I was only able to see my son with his supervision or his family's supervision. And at this moment, it was like basically it's really important to you, so you're going to do what I say. So it ended up getting more abusive. It ended up um, getting to the point where. I I felt like I was a walking zombie. Like I no longer had no no mind myself. Like he thought for me, he did everything for me and I thought that I just this was how I was gonna die. Like just listening to him, selling my body, um, you know, helping him, you know, run this illegal enterprise and, and helping, you know, with such a, a horrible thing. Um and really what was the breaking point is uh I, I said I said it in my video too. I remember being going to an outcall and I was out of town and the an outcall just basically like I went to the person's house or their hotel and I was raped at gunpoint. And I remember being raped at gunpoint, and I asked God just to help me to save me, to get me out of the lifestyle and I promised him that if he would do that then I would I would really change. I just needed help. I didn't realize the way he was going to help me was to to go to jail, (laughs) but clearly that was his way of saving my life at that time. And I went to jail for 18 months, and a lot of the questions that people ask me is, well, why did you go to jail and you weren't the pimp? Well, I went to jail because when they arrested me, I did not tell on the pimp. Number one, his family had my son, so it wasn't just me I was thinking about. I was thinking about my child. And I knew right, better right. than, I mean, it's something that they tell you in the very beginning. If you ever tell the police or if you ever tell anyone, I'll kill you. And if I can't kill you, I'll kill your family. So you really start mm. believing that when a person is telling you that, right. and you know their capabilities. So I didn't say anything, which made it seem like I was co-inspiring with him. And I was the bottom girl. So they charged me with charges with, at the time with 21 counts of felonies i never, ever been in trouble, never had a record I had for him. I was a law-abiding citizen. Even though I was a stripper, I, I followed the law. So um, long story, I stayed in there for 18 months, and finally, you know, I signed a plea for seven years. And the reason why I signed the plea is because it was either sign a plea for seven years or go to a trial with him, which you can face 100 and something years. And I wasn't willing to do that because I knew he was guilty, and I didn't want to take that risk on my life of me never, ever seeing my children again. So I signed the plea for seven years, and it just is, you know, God is so good, uh, you know, when you trust him. Now, when I signed that plea, shortly after, a week later, I received a postcard in the mail, and they're stating that they have my son. The whole time I was in jail, my mom put out Amber Alerts. She was looking for my son. She was doing everything to find him, and we could not find him nowhere, and when I went back to court for my sentencing for the seven years plea, I showed the postcard to my lawyer, and he showed it to the prosecutor and the judge, and they went back, and they continued it uh, for 45 days, and when I went back to court, there was a detective, and she said, you know what? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you get out of this situation. If you could get into a one-year program, what would you do and how would you change your life? And I just told her, I just want a chance to to do right and, and to be a law-abiding citizen. I know that I can do this. I just need help. And they gave me that chance. And, um, you know, that's really my miracle story. And when I went into that one-year program, I just changed my life around Doors would close on me as far as jobs and everything, but I just never get, gave up. I never let it de- deter me from what I knew that what God had for me. And, you know, I've been now at the same job that I've been working at for two and a half years. So um, I'm very grateful, with be- was able to complete my GED, was able to get all the counseling, the therapy I need. I was able to get my all four of my kids back in in my life. So, you know, it's it's been a journey, but it's been well worth it.
1: And I'm so happy that you have been blessed to conquer all this. And that's why I tell people, no matter what obstacle you go through, it only only you could prevent yourself from being held back. Oh, oh wait a minute. Here's just for one moment. We're tuned to a song, and we'll be right back.
0: Wanna see you so
1: all right. We're back. Just had a little technical difficulties, but that's all right. We're gonna continue on. But Leah, as I was saying, I mean, a lot of people let their obstacles hold them back, but you were one strong yeah. woman who didn't let that hold you back. And I'm so happy for you that you continued on to just fight for what yeah. was yours. You fought for your you fought for your rights.
2: Yeah. That. thank you but it's I amazing though that. i mean all this
1: i mean just even before even this story happened the abuse had been going on from a long time with your stepfather to your uncle yeah. and i can yeah. i can relate i can relate to that i mean i had i had those issues growing up too I always was that and then you didn't know you was kind of be confused like i don't know if this feels right but you knew something yeah. was wrong
2: i think the worst um the worst thing that I feel for for girls that are still caught up in this lifestyle, the thing that hurts me the most is that when people point their fingers and they blame the victim of this crime, right. because no matter how you got into the little shorts on and a half shirt, it does not mean that this should still happen to you. We need to We need to take back the power and blame the people that we should be blaming because at the end of the day, if there was no demand, for it, then it wouldn't be happening, but we're, we get so caught up in, in, oh, well, she's a prostitute, or that girl is, you know, selling her body, but what about all the people that are are, are buying and purchasing this girl, and putting a, a dollar amount on this girl's, um, um on her value of her body, you know, and a lot right. of times what people don't understand is that, see, we think that, I know for me, you know, I I, I speak for myself, but. Before I got into the lifestyle, I thought it was like a certain type of guy that went out for these girls and stuff like this. No, these are working class men. These are married men. These are men that are in the political. They're in churches. They're in you know whatever you can think of. You know, I've seen police officers in this lifestyle. So it's like you, you, you. We can't be so quick to judge. Like, oh, um, you know, it's only the girls. No, we need to take the the power back and say, okay. If there was no demand for this, if this wasn't a billion dollar industry a year, then there to mm-hmm. cut a lot of things out the equation, you know. And the reason no. why I tend for getting these girls younger and younger and and things like that is because that's what the demand is asking for. Um, men are trying to, they're trying to act out their fantasies, and a lot of times, you know, when they watch porn, when they're going to these strip clubs, it's only so far you can go. So you're not going to ask your – maybe you're not going to ask your wife to do something or whatever the case is. So you're going to call a a girl um, off of the Internet or go pick one off the street and have them act out those sexual fantasies that you have.
1: Right. And that's why I said you have to – we do. We have to watch our babies. Wash them. I can't stand when they go around the corner outside – and they're around somebody's house, and I don't even know where you're at. And I told them, I, I just, I'm up front about it. You will get raped, and you will be killed, because they're not going to leave you alive. Of
2: 19...
1: 19- yeah. Kidnapped, raped, and killed. And it was wrong on the news, and her mother today is still mourning that, and they're still trying to find a killer. And that's why I tell my baby it is not a beautiful world out there. You think I'm stopping you from having fun? Well, what you want to do for fun is not what I consider fun. Going to somebody's house and I don't know where you're at when you know you're supposed mm-hmm. to be back home. No, it's exactly. I see why my mother did what she did, and I'm thankful yeah, for that. Exactly. And I hope one day when you yeah. get older that they actually see what I'm actually trying to do and not prevent them yeah. from having fun. But I'm trying to protect you because, like, yeah. like I told my previous guest. This is, um, Leah, you know this is not like taking and Liam Neeson. We can't do like him. I don't have no yeah. um, CIA skills. I can't yeah. go across scenes and find you. So I pre- I prefer you to stay where I can see you. I can't do like him. This not the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, and
2: that's, that's what, that's what but, I was just about to say. That's one of the biggest issues. And, and, and you know, we're in 2015, and, of course, you know, um, things have changed a lot from every single right. decade, you know, over time. And and one of the things that I, I really, I have a passion for for youth and for young adults and, and young teenagers. And the reason why is because it's so much that is just feeding them that they have to look a certain way. It's so much that's telling them they have to do a certain thing to be cool. And they have to act a certain way to be, you know, to fit in into this crowd. If you don't have enough money, then you're not this. So it's like, our daughters and our young boys are growing up and they're trying to be these Kim Kardashians. They're trying to be these Nicki Minaj. They're trying to, to be what right. they're seeing on TV and what they're hearing through lyrics of songs. And it's it's going right back into when a pimp comes around. and It's like, oh, well, I, we you can get your nails done, your hair done. I'm going to get you some clothes. We're going to have nice cars. You know, they're so easy to, to say, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I always wanted that stuff. You know, so that's one of the the biggest, um, you know, things that they feed into these young girls' minds. It's like you're gonna have this, and they're they're feeding them these fairy tales. And I'm gonna be your boyfriend. A lot of times, it's not always like they're they're not gonna always pick up a girl and say, You're yeah, I'm your pimp, and you're gonna do this. It's some pimps that are very sweet and very caressing and very nice. Like, oh, I'll do, I'll buy you this. All you gotta do is give me the money. I'm your boyfriend. You're my girlfriend, and we're in this together. It's not always um, a gorilla temptation.
1: Right. It's not. Yeah. I am mean, Leah, just to know that you went through all this abuse and just to see your mother physical abuse, how were you able to even just cope? going to school, all that on a child's mind at your
2: age? You know, I I think that if you don't know something is wrong, it's hard to affect you. And what I right. mean by that is I didn't realize that what was happening to me, I didn't realize what guys were doing to me was wrong. I thought it was normal because it was going on with me for from such a young age that it wasn't like a red flag, like, okay, guys aren't supposed to be touching me, you know. And that's why with my daughter, so my daughter is 13 going on 14, I make sure I talk to her and I say, you know, guys aren't supposed to touch you right there. Men are not supposed to touch you right there, you know. And, and those are the things that I think I didn't understand as a kid. So I don't think it could have affected me as bad, but I know it did as a teenager, um when my mom moved me to to Arizona because I at 13 years old what 13 year old that gets in a relationship or thinks they're in a relationship don't think they're in love with the guy I'm thinking I'm in love with this guy with this 30 something year old man and here I am 13 years old and I felt like my mom was the most evilest person for taking me away from him and I thought you know it was going to be this fairy tale and and it that part was probably hard because I thought I was in love, not knowing that it was completely sick what this guy was doing.
1: Right. Taking advantage, and that's what they do, and these young girls don't be understanding that. They think it is, just like you said, a Cinderella fairy tale. They'll tell you, yeah, you're pretty. I had a stepfather. Did the same thing. You're so beautiful. You chocolate. Everything that you wanted to hear, and it felt good because, of course, when I was at school, the boys oh they were so cruel, and and being a virgin just wasn't the easiest thing. Making it and it felt so good just to hear somebody tell you that you beautiful. Of course he exactly. never took my virginity. Of course he never made that far to take my virginity, but it's just the idea that sometimes, ladies, you be having a sick individual in your household and you fail to oh you fail to look at the situation because mama, bless her heart, she was just sweet. It's just I think she was blinded. Blinded by what was in front of her, the money part and everything, taking care of her, and that's fine, Danny. But then I'm on the sideline, like, mm, okay, but what are we gonna do? And then when I finally went to go tell, oh well, you're this, you're that. Why you do that? And I'm like, I, I'm confused. I thought I was the victim here. Now I feel like I'm the traitor. Mm-hmm. So, why? And no, no child should ever have to be put in that. Situation where they feel like they are the traitor to their own mom. It's like wow. So, but to this day, me and my mom, we talk and everything, but it's always that. It's kind of like that boundary, like, and I think that's probably what I need to talk to her about because it's always going to be a blockage because it was never yeah. nothing done about it. You never actually did anything about it, and today, this I think he's still out there probably doing the same thing. Last thing I heard about when I looked him up. He was arrested for um, aggravated um, stalking. I was like, wow. (laughs) Wow. Never changed. Right. It's amazing. Never will change.
2: That's the sick thing is that normally, like, you know, predators and people that um, go after that stuff, it's never enough. It's like they, you know, uh, take one victim and then they take another one and another one, and it never is an ending cycle because in reality they're just sick and they need help. And um until they get that help it's not gonna it's not gonna just go away. Something like that, uh that illness, I wanna call it, is not just gonna go away, you know?
1: Right. It's not and listeners, don't you go away. We're gonna come back with Leah Rogers on the air finishing talking about her story and also we're gonna get a little bit more into her book. Game over. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
0: Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Log Talk, Talk Radio, baby. My new dad and I shot off a rocket in the park. Today, my new son and I failed to shoot off a rocket. He knew exactly what to do. Not, I had no clue what I was doing. We set up the rocket. We set up the rocket. Hit ignition. Hit ignition. And then? And then nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I laugh when I'm frustrated. Then out of nowhere, the rocket launched into the air. The rocket did get into the air. I've never seen anything fly so high. And then crashed into a kite. Look out, look out! And then the pond. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day, even if I tried. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much, for taking me out to the park, for reading me books, for taking Taking me me to the doctor when I broke my
1: foot in ballet rehearsal, for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And now,
0: as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom, for having the chance to take you to the park, for reading you those books we enjoy so much, for being able to take you to your therapies after you twisted your ankle, for understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Remember, visit aarp.org slash caregiving. AARP. We help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. All right,
1: we're back with Leah Rogers. We have been talking well, basically discussing about the incidents that has occurred in her life, but she has grown to be a courageous, forgiving, lovable woman. And oh, it's it's amazing what you can go through, but how you can overcome anything. And it's hard to forgive, but that's the one thing you have to do, no matter what your circumstances are. Leah, that there was one part in your book that I think I ended up doing that too, where. You went to your father's house and he ended up hitting you and you pulled out a knife I, and I was I was thinking of that part. I said I think I ended up doing it to my stepfather. He did something. I forgot what he did to me and I pulled out a knife on him too. Cuz he was getting on my last nerve something. And I said, "Boy, I said my story almost feel like hers a little bit." <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, that that's one part of uh, my actual book and that's one when- I was only with him for a short period of time, and, you know, I never met him before that. That was the first time me ever meeting my dad at the age of 14 years old. And I always had this perception that he was going to be one type of way, and when I met him, it was like I was an interruption to his life. And I remember he was hitting me over something really dumb, like I gave the dog a piece of Pop-Tart. And he just started to swing at me and hit at me. And at this point, I was just so tired of people putting their hands on me and um, abusing me sexually, physically, all of the above. And I pulled out a knife and I just told him, you know, if you ever put your hands on me again, and I didn't, I know I wasn't going to use it. I think I was just scared at that point, like I was just tired. And um, that's how I ended up going into CPS custody. I actually
0: went to juvenile
2: right. court uh sixty days and for for me doing that and then I was awarded to the
1: Hello. Yeah. okay, Leah, we we still on the
2: air. Okay, awesome. Yeah, but um that was that was that was basically, you know, a rough time for me too because I felt like I always had that question in my mind that, like, no one wanted me, and um, it was always, like, you know, where was my mom my dad? And I felt like they didn't fight for me hard enough to come back into their their life. So it it was a lot of different emotions. I think from the age of 14 to 18 was one of the roughest times of uh, uh, my life just because it determined a lot of how I, you know, how my life ended up going because I really didn't, I just was looking for love, I think. I was looking for someone to care.
1: Right. And that's how
2: yeah.
1: most girls get caught up being vulnerable to the predators out there, the traffickers. They get they get caught up because they're vulnerable. They want that father figure in their lives and don't know how to go about doing it. And the first guy that comes up that makes you feel that way, that's how you become his victim. Now, uh, yeah. why is it that some the ones that who are probably in it though, the the victims. Why don't they ever try to maybe like run away? I know that you was able to that you were able to make it out alive. Um, unfortunately, so, not uh, the way that you wanted to go with the way that he did you. But some of them don't try to run away from it.
2: Well, I think it's just um, there's there's a couple of things. So there's different different ways that you can uh, abuse a person without physically abusing them so a lot of times um the fence will have such a a large mind control over uh the girls especially imagine being in the lifestyle at the age of 13 years old 14 years old it's literally you're looking at this grown man like he's your dad and you're calling him daddy and he's taking care of you and he's telling you what to do so it's like some some girls it's more of a mind thing of of why they feel like they can't go, like no one else to take care of them, like no one else to love them like the temple loves them. Um, it, it's one of those is the situation. Another situation is the threat. A lot of times the girls could be fearful of what would happen if they do run away. If they you know if they hurt their family, or even if they might, if family might not know that they are the prostitute, and the pimp might say, you know if you don't keep working for me and you don't listen or if you try to leave, I'm going to tell your family that you were a little prostitute and you're nasty and stuff like that. And at a a young age and a young girl, it's like, you're scared of that. You don't want your family to think you're this this person Mm -hmm. and, you know, that you're living this type of lifestyle. And another way is, is some girls do try to get out and they never actually get out. They end up dying in the game. They end up dying. And, You know, one of the misconceptions the most is that they say, well, you know, she's in it because she wants to be in it. No girl that's being trafficked is not in it because they want to be in it. They're either being brainwashed into believing that what they're doing is okay, or they're being physically, mentally, or emotionally abused by this guy, and they don't know how to, to get out. A lot of times I compare domestic violence do this. And the reason why is because a lot of that's what people say to domestic violence victims. They say, Well, why doesn't she leave? He beats you up all the time. Why don't you leave him? And you'll see why they keep going back to the relationship. They keep trying to make it work and things like that because a lot of times it's an emotional attachment, it's um, a, a, a mind thing. It's not always just a physical thing that they have over you, it's a mind control situation that they have over you. So, Um, It's just a lot of things that come into play. Before I actually got away from the pimp, I tried to escape from him at least six times, at least. Um, And he would always find me. And then that's in my book of me when I've tried to leave him, um, the times that I tried to leave him. But, you know, I I did try to get away. When there was times and opportunities, but after I had my son, it was like if I leave, I can't leave my child. I can't leave him there with people that I don't know if they're going to hurt my son. I don't know if I'll ever see my son again. Um, it was just a lot of different things that would go through my mind if I, w- if I was to leave in that situation. And a lot of pimps do have babies with their, with their, you know, girls. So that way they have that over there. Or they'll buy a right. house. Or they'll have the girl put the car in their name or, you know, different things like that. So it's a lot of different ways where they can control and, and. Manipulate the girl to stay without actually physically doing it
1: exactly um and and leah mostly most of the women who are out there are mostly prostitute and they they mostly do always have to have a pimp or you could just do it on your own,
2: yeah, so there's two different types of working um of girls that you know um work or I call it working growth as far as um prostitution. And one is can be to uh, be a renegade, um which is basically you're doing it on your own. You don't have a pimp. Um uh, but you're you're receiving all of the earnings from your money. Um of the money to yourself. And then the other way of course is a pimp or it could be a boyfriend but he's still a pimp to me because if he if if anyone whether it's a girl it could be your mother, I have had friends where their own mom has prosecuted them out, and that's still considered a pimp to me because anyone that takes the earnings from um a, a legal situation like this and that's considered a pimp uh so um it could it could be any one of those things,
1: wow. It's, it is. It's amazing. And I mean, after he did what? After he did the brutally things to you, putting you in the back of a trunk, stabbing you, was he ever arrested?
2: Yeah. So, um, when I was arrested, he was arrested shortly after. The thing was actually on him, but since I didn't tell on him and I didn't help the police in the investigation. That's the reason why um, I was actually uh, put in jail for the period of time that I was put in. But he was arrested. He's currently, he had over six girls um, that was testifying against him, one of them being um, a 17-year-old girl, which is a minor in the state of Arizona, as well as he was speaking with two undercover cops. One was pretending to be a seventeen year old and the other one was a nineteen year old pretending to be a nineteen year old. So he got he ended up getting twenty five years in prison.
1: Oh good. Yeah. Need more than that, but we'll start with twenty five. And I mean yeah. all the things that he all the things that he did in the beginning, you know, the the, the good looks the smooth words being financially stable you know, all those look so good to us, but we don't be knowing they have an evil side. Oh yeah, we'll be evil and criminals. That's why, honey, you gotta be careful. You'll be the good-looking one. Sometimes be coming all smelling good and stuff, and be crazy. To have you in the have you in his basement tired of it. You be like, wait a minute, this this wasn't part of the deal. Yeah. I I don't remember signing papers on this one. <laughs> yeah. right. I was. Mm-hmm. I know, Leah. I know you wish you could have got a sign up in the beginning. It's that warning sign. Please step yeah. back. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please run. Run <laughs> 10 feet away. <laughs>
1: Lord yeah,
2: have mercy. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot, a lot of times people ask me, you know, question because people ask me, like, do you forgive him or, you know, anything like that. And the answer yeah. to that is do the worst you? I do. I do forgive him, actually, and I believe that. Right. I believe with all my heart, and maybe because I I am I have such a, a close relationship with God, but I believe in my heart that pimps as well as girls are are prostitutes, they need help. Meaning, like, there's something that happened. There's something that triggered them to not have no respect for women. It's something that happened. Maybe they grew up as a child seeing this, and it's normal to them. But at the end of the day, it's like I can't expect for God to forgive me because I did some really um horrible things in my past too. And I I helped recruit some of the girls. Even though I was under his mind control, I still I feel like I I participated in that lifestyle. And I can't expect for the for other people to forgive me, and I can't expect for God to forgive me if I can't forgive him for what he has done for me. Will I talk to him? Will I send him letters? No. But as far as forgiving, forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiving is for you because now I took the power back. Oh, thank
1: you. Right. Yeah. It sure is. It is. for. You. It is, And it's hard. It's hard to really just sometimes forgive. And, and I know it's not easy for people to do that. But like you said, it's not for that other person. It's mainly for you to forgive you for all yeah. your sins, whatever you have been thinking about doing. You are so right. That's why I said you're strong. And you didn't yeah. hold any, I mean, it didn't, didn't let you hold any grudges, but I'm sure it just kept kept your guard up now. I'm sure probably if a man oh, comes yeah. to you right now, you,
2: sure.
1: you'd be like, look here, brother, <laughs> step on back now. Step back.
2: Yeah, I mean, true. way back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and
1: what people fail to realize, too, Leah, when you don't forgive, you're filled with all that mm-hmm. anger, that bitterness, and that revenge. Uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: huh. Right, that, it's not gonna bad. be the other person. It hurts you. Right. You think yeah. you hurting them by not forgiving them, but you're only hurting yourself. You're the one who got to carry that anger, and you so you "Forgive, and you can be free. You'll release yourself in the process. That's what it's all about. Forgiving is a process. And it, it benefits one, my listeners. It benefit, Anybody who's hurting today, let me explain to you. Forgiving others benefits you and releases you from the pain. That's all what forgiveness is really about. And it takes baby steps, trust and believe me. It's baby steps. I've been there and done it, and it's hard sometimes. And you keep going back and talk about it. One thing I like about your story, Liz, you letting it out. You letting people know, hey, this is reality, but I'm not going to dwell on it for long, but I'm going to let you know this is all reality, and it's still going on today. And I hope people take this to heat, to listen to this show, and really understand this is something serious that we need to start cracking down. We need to make petitions about this. This is something that we need to open up more. We're not focusing on this. Our government needs to start talking about this. This trafficking is serious and it's not just happening across seas, it's right here in the United States.
2: You're really right about that. It's, it's it's here. It's in our own backyard and and nothing's gonna change until we realize that. And I'm really grateful that we're as a as I believe that we're starting to be a little bit more aware on the topic than what we were previously, but there's still a lot more work to be done and that's the reason why I do what I do every day, and that's the reason why I speak about it and I let other people know because they need to put a face sometimes with what's actually happening, that it's not, you know, only people that do drugs and stuff like that. Like, I never was caught into to drugs, really. Like, you know, I, I smoked marijuana back in those days, but I never got sprung out on any type of um, hardcore drugs or anything. I wasn't an alcoholic.
0: Right. and
2: everyone has a story and there's so many girls there's over i just say at least um there's over a hundred other victims that have reached out to me w- once i did the video that i did on social media just saying hey this is happening to me thank you so much for speaking out because they're afraid to come out because of what the community right. might do so what people might judge them about and you know i had to get to that place and i i I can't take no credit for it because I honestly believe that it's nothing but God that actually helps me every day and gives me the strength to be able to speak about it and to be able to um, have enough courage to be able to help other women and help the community as a whole because it's not about me. This war is way bigger than just my myself, but I'm glad that I'm able to do God's will and speak up on it.
1: Me too. And you're right. This is a big war. And I love that your book points out the game, the actual game of how you actually get recruited from the pimp, the isolation. And as it says in her book, they come in all different types of colors. They be your photographers, your telephone man. You never know. I mean, you just, have to be very cautious. Don't jump at the first smile that you see that makes you feel like you need it. If it feels, I say it like this, if it feels too right, then it's wrong. Run. And when he asks, what's wrong with her? I had to run, honey. Just start running. Don't even worry about asking questions. Just
0: run. Don't worry about it.
1: Just run. Look the other way. <laughs> Look, Leah, just, just keep going, Lord Jesus. Leah, tell us where we could get your book.
2: Okay, um, currently you can get my book on Amazon.com. It's also available on Kindle. And then it's also available on my personal website, which is www.imlearogers and rogers is without a D.com. And um, you can also contact me through all my social media, all my social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn. It's all going to be I am Leah Rogers.
1: Well, Leah, I thank you so much for coming on to the show. Please get her book. It's just so much information in here. The terminologies that are used out there, oh, I mean, this book lays it out for you. Leah is telling you up front what to look for. Hopefully someone won't be kidnapped. It's so sad, though, but it, it happens, and this is all reality, and it's something that we can't keep overlooking. Protect your babies. Know where your children are going. Watch out for this media because that's where they're attacking too, right, Leah? They're coming through our social media now.
2: Yeah, the social media is like the most highest um, one right now where they're recruiting girls from all those little sites that your daughters are on when they're posting those pictures and they're thinking that it's a guy that's their age that they're talking to and this is, Predator. This is a pimp. This is a guy that is pretending to be something else. It's so much easier than the old-fashioned day where someone walks up to you and you can see that they're a horrible person, or you can see that they're a grown man. This is a totally different um, type of situation. So please monitor your your children's um, social medias and what what type of Facebook or MySpace or MocoSpace or. Um, you know, Snapchat, I mean, so many of them right now, Instagram. Like, monitor monitor those and make sure that your children are talking to other children, not children talking to grown men or predators.
1: Exactly. Oh, Leah, this one I want to ask you, too. Uh, before, in your book, you mentioned about being the bottom girl. Yes. How, before you become the bottom, how long does it take, how long do you have to run the the track before you become the bottom girl?
2: Well, it's it, it, you know, each pimp, of course, is different, so I only go off of my own um, situation. But most of the time the definition of a bottom girl is like the most trusted, the most loyal, the one that can basically um, handle everything if the pimp was not there and, and things like that. So you have to have a little bit more a uh, smartness to you as well as you have to be able to help them recruit other girls, and that's one of the ways of earning that. So when you go on the track and you're walking the street, you have to try to recruit them into the family. So um, it could just be a month. It can be up to six months. It could be if you just been with him the longest amount of time. Some girls stay with their pimps for years and years.
1: Wow. Oh wow, that that's amazing! And ladies, if if anybody even thinking about doing it, don't, 'cause tell them, Leah, even when you're out there, that money is not yours. It goes right to that pimp. It yeah. is by the end of the day, and he wants yeah, his money.
2: And yeah, and it's crazy because this is fast. As you receive the money, you lose it, and you know, right. you don't you know? It's so much more rewarding. Yes, I don't make as much money as I did when I was out there in that world, but at the end of the day, it was never really my money. I was handing it over. And number two, it feels so much rewarding when you know that you're going to work and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You don't have to look over your shoulder if someone raping you or someone's going to kill you or someone's going to beat you up because you didn't make enough money. It's it's so um, it's so many things that are rewarding by doing an honest living.
1: It is. Uh, what about if you're going into escort, though?
2: Okay, so um, a lot of times, and I was an escort, just so you know, I, I walked the streets in the very beginning for a very short period of time, probably a month, and I um, actually worked the Internet, which is like the escort more or less. So it's more of paying for the time and, and situation like that. It still ends up to be sex, you know. So, um, you're, you know, the customers are still coming in paying you for for that. And even if you're not, you don't have a pen. I want to talk to the women that you know, have thought about this, you know, thought about, oh, I I, you know, I need money or, or whatever the case is. At the end of the day, if you trust in God and if you trust that you, you're going to be able to push through, even though sometimes if the road gets really, you know, rocky and it feels like there's no way, there's always different ways to go about it. And selling your body is not one of them. You know, that, that's your jewel, jewel and that's something that's special that um, you are you, that you want to wait for for a man that's gonna really love you and that's gonna appreciate all your beautifulness.
1: Leah, you definitely are a beautiful woman. I'm so glad that, like I said, that you have the life that you deserve now. And your son, I saw him. He, oh, he's a handsome little fella. Yeah,
2: my baby. Yeah.
1: Just turned five.
2: Yeah, he actually he has been
1: five, but he's he's about to turn six here soon. So uh, very. Oh well, about
2: congratulations
1: that. to him. Man <laughs> of the man of the house. Yes, we're gonna yes, look yes. out the mom.
2: Yes, he is. Yes, Amen. he is.
1: You're <laughs> gonna take care of mom all the way, and I'm glad you you got that you got that protection for you too. But, Liz, thank you so much for coming on to the show, and I'm glad that we were able to do this. Even though it had to be at night, but that's all right. We're getting the message out here and that's what I want. I want to be able to get the message out to all these young ladies who are in that predicament. If you've ever been in that situation or even thinking about going in that situation, don't do it. It's not the right life. And if you feel that you don't have any answers, you know, this show will help you. Please get the book. Um Leah is on Twitter at I am Leah Rogers. You can contact her through that way. You can find her on Facebook. And she will be glad to probably re- she will be glad to reach out to you, as she said, she have had so many victims to talk to her. So please don't be afraid, because it's always open arms out there. Now everybody's open and considerate, but you know, this is one lady who is considerate. She's been there, done it. So please reach out to her. And if you have any questions for me, you can also hit me up on my Facebook fan page, The Bright Side with Technician Leah. Thank you once again. I wish you so much in your future
2: endeavors. Okay, thank you so much for having me, and thank you, everyone, for being so open on the topic. I know it's pretty rough to hear about it. God bless everyone. Thank you.
1: You You're so welcome, darling. Thank you.
2: Okay, have a good day. Bye.
1: You too. Let's understand, my audience, as we said, forgiveness is is hard to do. There's something that will release you in the end. You don't have to feel that pain. Your life improves dramatically when you let the grudge go. So I want you to think of that. If you have not forgiven that person, do it today. You make sure that you get on your knees. And my message today for all of you from my friend Mary Ellen, the truth of the day is this. All healing powers come through faith. There are many different paths to healing and there is only one process through your faith. Healing begins, ends and works through faith. Your faith in God, a higher power, Christ, Buddha, whatever your belief system and especially faith in yourself, your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit to heal. You must have a strong core faith. You must use your faith to work through your spirit to connect with your mind and body. Today sit quietly, allowing your faith to work through your mind healing your body. Enjoy the day and have lots of fun this weekend practicing your own individual faith, and I will see you very soon. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bright Side with Technisha. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.